Amen. Acts chapter 12. stand for the reading of God's Word. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quadrants of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly." And his, claim, and his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals. And so he did, and he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were passed at the first and the second ward, they came into the iron gate that leadeth into the city which opened to them of his, own, of, his, of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street. And forthwith, to, for, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel, and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You, Lord, for visiting with us this morning. God, we, we magnify You, God. We worship You. We thank You, God, for Your presence, Lord. We thank You for that sweet, for Your Spirit, Lord. Spirit, we thank You that You visit and that You just knock on our hearts, that You just love on us and You just wrap us up in Your arms. Thank You for that. I thank You, God, for, for this church, Lord. I thank You for all that You're doing. God, I just pray, Lord, that you just go with me now, Lord, that you would just let me be your mouthpiece, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So here we, in Acts chapter 12, we see that, um, that Herod has, has sent out and he is planning on killing. Um, he's already killed James and now he's going to kill Peter because... Um, He'd seen that it pleased the Jews. And so he had it out that he was going to kill Peter. And, um, and so here we are that James, being one of the first apostles that was martyred. Um, but I want you to look at, at how in this, how they took extra precaution in making sure that Peter wasn't to get out. It says that he delivered him to four quadrants of soldiers. Um, and what he did was he put two guards beside him. He had him in chains. And so Herod was wanting to make sure that 
Peter did not get out of prison. Um, and it says that there was an iron gate that probably the warden or somebody that, that would keep that even further out. So we see that Herod's mission was to make sure that that didn't happen. But can you imagine the shockwaves that went through the church at that time? Here, James has just been killed. Now we have Peter that has been caught and in prison, and he's going to be killed. Imagine that just like today, you know, just, you know, think about that, how that we are all human and we lean on certain people. Certain people in your family kind of hold the family together. They're kind of the glue. You kind of gather at their house for, for special events and all those things, right? And um, think about that, how the early church, how that, that these were pillars in that church. And so just imagine how they felt knowing that here are these two leaders in the church. One's been killed and one is surely going to be killed by Herod. And we think about that. Um, but what about us? Um, what do we do when the hand of Herod is against us? You ever think about that? That, you know, because in First Peter Five and eight, it says that to be sober, to be vigilant, to be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, seeketh whom he may devour. And so, think about when Herod has his hand against you, and about how that when he has it against your family, and how that he is seeking whom he may devour. Um, where can we go? Well, we can go the same place the early church went to. What they did is they realized that Herod's throne was not the only throne in the universe. They knew that they probably wouldn't get, be able to get to Caesar to appeal to him, but what they did is they appealed to the courts of heaven. They went before God. If you will read, it says, but by prayer, they fervently prayed, seeking the Lord. It's what the early church did because they were at Mary's house. And so... Hebrews 7.25 says that He ever liveth to make intercessions for us. So, we go before God when Herod, when the enemy, when He comes against us, when He comes to attack us, um, we seek the Lord. Philippians 4.6, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known. So they prayed. Have you ever had that burden have you ever been burdened where all you thought about all day long was that thing and you just constantly was in prayer? In Thessalonians, it says to pray without ceasing. And that's, whenever you, that's what this church was doing. They were praying without ceasing. They were in prayer. Um, where did they pray? They prayed in the house of Mary. That's where they, they were gathered. And, um, and they were seeking the Lord. Think about that. Um, wouldn't you like for your house to be known where people are praying? Not gossiping, not carrying tales, not doing things that you ought to. Wouldn't you like to, for your place to be known as a house of prayer? That's where people can gather and they can seek the Lord and that they can pray. Um, the Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sit at the table of the scornful. You know, um, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And so having 
that. Thinking about that mindset, that attitude, that being a place of prayer and being in prayer. The early church, they were praying. And when did they pray? Look at the setting. <clears throat> Just look at the story there. Peter was asleep. And he gets woke up. And so they were praying all night. I mean, they were in prayer. If you read on through, you'll see that they were praying all night long. And, um, and when he got there, when Peter shows up. But they were praying all night. Look at the results from the church that prayed. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. Um, but look at Peter and how he was in the prison. Um, you think about how that he was surrounded. <clears throat> he was, says he had two chains on him, two guards. Think about that. Isn't that exactly what the enemy does to us? He surrounds us. He puts these things around us, and then he says, you're not going to get out of this. You're not going to be able to, to recover from this. Don't he? Just look around. You're surrounded. There's, he'll whisper those things in, in, your, in your ear and tell you it's just hopeless situations. Right? Won't he tell you, hey, your kids are never going to get off drugs. Your marriage is never going to recover. Your finances aren't ever going to come back. You're not ever going to get that job you wanted. You're never going to get out of debt. All kinds of lies that the enemy whispers. And, um, but thinking about that, <clears throat> how the enemy, how that he whispers... But think about what John 8, 36 says. It says, For whom the sun sets free is what? Is what? Free indeed. Free indeed. So whom the sun sets free is free indeed. We don't have to listen to the lies of the enemy. But what I want to talk about, though, is, um, is I want you to look at those two chains that held Peter. I want to call those chains fear and doubt. Because I believe that every Christian, that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And I believe that, that God has great things in store for every child of God. But I believe what happens though is that the enemy will come along and he will chain you and he will bind you with fear and doubt. Fear is more like, oh, I'm not going to do this because I'm worried about what somebody might think about me. Or fear, I'm in fearful because maybe I don't have the, the qualifications that are needed. I'm fearful because of what others might say. I'm fearful because of all these different things. But what does the Bible say that says in, that He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of sound mind and of power? Because that's what God does. Because the enemy, would, he, that's what He wants to do is to bind us and to hold us with fear and doubt. Doubt will make you doubt the things of God. 
Doubt will cause you, oh God, are you sure that you're leading me in this direction? Whenever you know when God showed you time and time again that this is the way that He wants you to go. Is that not how the enemy will work? He will bind us with fear and with doubt every time. And so a lot of Christians, you might be free, but you're not really free indeed because you're bound up with some things. Um, You've got some things that are holding you on. Well, then you might get free from your fear and doubt, but then you got the two soldiers there, and we're going to call them doubt, um, doubt, um, we're going to call those soldiers intimidation and doubt, because, not doubt, we're going to call those discouragement, because discouragement and intimidation, because doesn't discouragement, it just kind of creeps in all of a sudden, like you're not even, you don't even know it, and all of a sudden, you're discouraged because of what somebody said or what you've seen or, or just something just kind of creeps in and all of a sudden you're discouraged. So we've got discouragement. And then there's intimidation. Now, I don't know about you, but I know for me, intimidation a lot of times, the enemy will say, like whenever I was praying about doing the church, it was like, if you take the church, I'm going to attack your family. I'm going to do this. Anybody else, does he ever do that? If you step up, if you step out. We got anybody that stepped out before? <laughs> because that's what he does. It's intimidation. And that's what the enemy tries to do. Is He tries to intimidate us. And he tries to make us get discouraged. Because a discouraged Christian, what good is a discouraged Christian? They just sit there. They're unhappy. But the story changes. Because why? Because people were praying. The church was praying. That um, it says, And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined round about him. And a light shined in the prison. Thinking about that. Um, Isn't that just like God a lot of times? Whenever we are bound in prison, when we are held in these circumstances, that that the gospel, the light that's from Jesus, it shines in those dark places. And it comes in there and it penetrates the enemy because it's dark in there, but Jesus is the light and He's the light of the world. And so when we bring that Word and we bring that faith and we bring those things into the prison, Look what happens. It says that that the angel, he had to wake Peter up. I love that Peter, his attitude in this situation. He is sleeping. He is sleeping in the midst of knowing that he could be killed. And he is sleeping. And the angel says, get up. Get up quickly. What What did Peter have to do? He had to get up. And that's what my title of my message is this morning, is get up. Get up up because too many times we want to just sit around and we just want to mope and we want to look at all these things but we don't want to get up what happened is that Peter got up the chains fell loose and behold and the light shined in the prison he smote Peter on the side and raised him up saying get up quickly and the chains fell off the chains fell off once he got up And that's what God's people have to do. We have to get up. 
I'm reminded in a story about Mark chapter 2, and we hear it's a man that had the palsy. Do y'all know what the story I'm talking about? When he had his four friends that brought, took him to Peter's house. Most theologians believe that was Peter's house. You don't want to do something to Peter's house. He's the one that killed, that cut off the soldier's ear, remember? So we can see that Peter is a hot-headed man. So I would think that would be the last person that I'm going to do destruction to his house. But we see, though, that he had four friends that got him, that was going to take him to Peter's house and put him down through the roof. There's so much in that. But think about what kind of friends do you have? What kind of people are around you right now in, in your life? They know they can't do anything for you, but they know that if they get you to the presence of Jesus, then you'll be made whole, right? That's what kind of people we need surround in our lives, people that have influence over us, is people that can get into the presence of the Lord. But anyway, we see here though that, the, that it said that he was a man sick of the palsy, which means he was a par, paralegic, and um, that he was, he was lame. He wasn't able to walk. And we look at that and we see how many Christians are walking around paralyzed spiritually. Just paralyzed. Laying down on the ground, not doing anything, not working when there's work to do. The field is wide into the harvest. And we're laying down. But we see here though that that here he was, he was laid down. And think about this, thinking about discouragement and getting down and all those things. Think about how that, how that this man, his friends were like, we're going to get you to Jesus. We're going to take you to Jesus. He had to know that Jesus was a healer. Because it was all over the town because it was crowded. Couldn't even get in the door. It was crowded, it was packed. And think about how that when he lowered him down there, Jesus said that thy sins be forgiven. Okay, here this man is, and I want you to think about it. Think about like if it was you in this situation, and you're thinking, that's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear, rise up and walk. I didn't want to hear... Thy sins be free. Don't you see my condition? Don't you see what I'm in need of? Don't you know what I'm going through? How many times do we ask God that? Lord, don't you see this? Why haven't you answered? I've been, I've been asking you. I've been praying. I've been seeking you. But He said, Thy sins be forgiven. And think about, and thinking about our expectations and God's answers. Sometimes. But what that does is that creates an atmosphere for God to work and to do miraculous things beyond our imagination because here he had this expectation, but God, through his, through his knowledge and through him being able to see exactly, he knew the need of that man. Although it didn't meet his expectation at that moment, God saw the need, the true need that he had was that his sins be forgiven. And that is our need, that our sins be forgiven. But then we see that he says, 
And then, then, of course, the doubters, the haters in the crowd. Jesus knew immediately that they started questioning. They got mad. But, and so what happens is that then Jesus tells him, He says, Arise up, walk, take up thy bed, and go thy way. And what it, you know, think about that. You, you know, we think about just in that, think about how that Jesus told him to get up, like all of us. We see that he was down, and he just had to get up. And you're, you're thinking, well, I'm in this situation. How do I get up? You get up and you start praising the Lord because he inhabits the praise of his people. <laughs> you get up and you start worshiping. You get up. And you start magnifying His name because it doesn't matter the circumstance. It doesn't matter the situation. It doesn't matter what's going on. It just matters that you're in touch with God and you know that, there's, that He's going to make a way when there is no way. And you just get up and you begin to worship and you begin to praise Him and thank Him for all that He's done and all that He's going to do. No matter what. And so we see here that Jesus tells him to get up, take up thy bed. Why didn't He just have him leave his bed? Well, I think because that way he'd carry it. He carried it so that he'd remember where God brought him from. Because you know, sometimes God's people we get a little puffy, and we get we get up there and we're like, "Oh, I have arrived." Let me tell you, ain't none of us arrived. We were all just sinners saved by the grace of God. And so, but he had that bed. A lot of times we need to be reminded just where God brought us from, so that we can thank Him and praise Him from the pit that He brought us out of. But He also, He sent Him home. Can you imagine Him going home to His family? I mean, this is a guy that hasn't walked. Just imagine how that the wife must have met Him at the door. You're walking. And He's like, honey, this is just the outward thing that you're seeing. But God, but Jesus did a thing inside of me that He's changed me, that I'm not who I used to be. I left here a crippled man, a broken man, a man that was in need of a Savior, and I come back a whole man. Yes, you're seeing me walk, but the real miracle was what God did for me on the inside. And, um, and thinking about that, Look at John chapter 5 there at the pool of Bethesda, which means the house of mercy. We see there that there was a man that had, had been crippled for 38 years. 38 years he would go down there. And what they would do is, uh, you can read it when you get home, it's John chapter 5, and what would happen is that they was the crippled, the impotent people. They would come and they would gather around this pool because there was a certain time that, that the angel would come down and stir the waters and whoever got in first would be healed. And Jesus, as He is passing by there, He sees this man and He says, Wilt thou be made whole? He asked Him. Seems like a strange question for somebody that's been crippled for 38 years. Will thou be made whole? But 
the mindset of a lot of us, a lot of God's people, is just to stay in that condition. They want to stay there. No, don't touch me. I don't want to be healed. I, I'm, I remember I asked somebody one time, I was like, will not you just get over that? No, I've held on to it for how many ever years? I'm going to keep on holding it. Well, whatever. Um, be miserable and mad and everything else. But, but, you know, he said, will thou be made whole? And then what did he... T- he told him, rise up. Well, first, the man, just like all of us, God's people, gives him excuses. Well, when it comes down here, I can't get down to the water quick enough to get in. Um, there's nobody here to carry me down there to put me in the water. And, um, and then Jesus says, rise up, take thy bed and walk. And then that's whenever they got mad at Jesus, the rulers, because remember he healed on the Sabbath? And um, I mean, here he is healing on the Sabbath, meeting the needs of people, and they get mad. Um, But think about that. He told them to get up. Get up. I wonder if you're here this morning and you're paralyzed. You're spiritually paralyzed. Tell you, get up. The chains will fall off when you get up. You get up and you get in the presence of the Lord. You don't know Him. To as many as believe, gave them power to become the sons of God. All you got to do is say, Lord, I'm trusting you. This altar's open. This altar's always open. If God speak, if you have been spiritually paralyzed, or you are paralyzed, God, He can make you whole. He can restore you. He can heal you. He can pick you up. He can put you on your feet. I've seen it. I've seen God do great and mighty things in the lives of all kinds of people. And aren't you know something else about these? You know, looking at these, as a lot of people that Jesus healed in the Bible, He doesn't give their names. He just gives their condition and then their gender, whether it's male or female. And I think a lot of times, you ever notice how people will classify you because of something you did years ago? I know we we're, we're saved around here. Um, Oh, she got pregnant, out of wedlock. I counted. <laughs> I didn't check the months. They'll always be a drug addict. They'll always be an alcoholic. But Jesus, He didn't do that. He didn't classify anybody. Because He loves everybody. He's seen us all. On the cross, you know, at the foot of the cross is level ground. And, um, but that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to label. He wants to put people in labels. And, um, but this morning, if you're paralyzed, if you're crippled, whatever, you know the condition of your heart. You know how it is between you and Jesus. You know exactly how you stand with Him. Nobody has to tell you. You know how it is. And you know if you are where you need to be. You know if you are stretched out on that bed. 
paralyzed. I'm telling you, as a, when you read um, Mark chapter 2, it says that, <clears throat> that he was in the house because he was in the house. And you think, well, just because I'm in church, I'm doing it. No, you can be in the presence and still be crippled. Because look, they lowered him down in the presence of Christ, presence of Jesus, but he was still crippled. God knows your need. He knows what you stand in need of. He's in the house. He is in the house. The healer is in the house. And he's able to do abundantly above all that you think or that you ask. No matter what your condition is, no matter where you've been, no matter how, how long it's been since you talked to Him, no matter where you stand, He's here. As Lisa's going to come and get us a song, He is here. And He wants to get, raise you up off of that bed. And so this morning, I plead with you, I beg with you, you know how it is with you and Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never heard of this man, Jesus, Savior, and He's knocking on your heart's door, and the Spirit of the Lord is knocking, you'll know it as He speaks to your heart. Come and pray. We'll pray with you. Don't leave here unsaved, and don't leave here unchanged. Let's stand.